Welcome to this edition of the Voice of Victory radio broadcast. Victory Baptist Church is an exciting, friendly, growing, independent Baptist church located in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina. You are about to hear a Bible message from Pastor Jeremy Coburnett that was preached to the congregation of Victory Baptist Church. We trust that you will be blessed as you listen to the preaching of God's Word. This morning, we're looking at Psalm 100, especially if you'll notice verse number 2. This is our text verse, and we'll use all of the, uh, the entire psalm this morning. But it says in verse number 2, Serve the Lord with, what's the next word? Gladness. Now, this verse is not optional. This is not something that you can pick and choose and say, well, I kind of like to do this and I kind of don't want to do this. Oh, no. This is a command from God that we are to serve the Lord with gladness. And I'd like to talk to you for a few moments this morning about this subject of joy for the journey. And this morning, we're going to look at how as Christians, there ought to be joy in serving. You say, oh boy, serving, that's hard. I hate my job, and I hate my boss, and I hate my coworkers, and I hate the customers, and I hate, I'm not talking about the workplace, although I think you ought to enjoy your job, make it a whole lot easier on everybody if you did. But I'm talking about having joy in serving the Lord. I pray, Lord, that you'd help us this morning. I pray that your word would be quick and powerful, Lord, as we know it is, and I pray that it would work in our hearts and give us what we need. I thank you for the time we're able to be together. Thank you for your people and their faithfulness. I pray you'd bless them, and I pray you'd speak to us in Jesus' name. Amen. The Bible tells us in Acts 20, the Apostle Paul said that I may finish my course with joy. He wasn't talking about a golf course. He wasn't talking about an education course. He was talking about his course, his, his road, his journey of serving God. And Paul said, I want to finish it with joy. I've said it before, but I want to remind you that serving God is not always easy. The Apostle Paul had some hardships along the way. Would you agree with that? Yeah, he was beaten with rods. They literally took, 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 took uh, uh, sticks and staffs and they beat him nearly to death. They picked up rocks and boulders and threw them at Paul and they left him outside the city. They thought he was dead. Otherwise, they probably would have kept going. But Paul said through all of that, he says in 2 Corinthians 6, he said, there's times of sorrow, but I'm always rejoicing. He wrote Philippians 4.4 while he was in prison. And he said, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. I think sometimes we think that joy is only necessary for people that are having a good time in life. Well, so-and-so, they've got it made. So-and-so, they don't have any problems. Or this person over here, they've got it easy in life. Can I tell you, nobody's got it easy. If we were to go around the room, I'll promise you everybody here has burdens. The people you think don't have burdens, it's probably just because they choose to have joy in the midst of those burdens. The Bible tells us that we are to rejoice in the Lord. We're to have joy in our lives at all times. The songwriter said, sweeter gets the journey every day. 
Serving Jesus really pays. I get happy in this heavenly way. Sweeter gets the journey every day. We sing this chorus around here. Every day with Jesus is sweeter than the day before. I'm telling you, that's the way it works. And if you get to know Jesus and you get to spend time with Jesus and you find out who Jesus really is, it's going to get sweeter and sweeter. It's going to get better and better. As my dad used to say, not because he didn't know that this was not proper, but he'd say it to get attention and to cause people to listen. He'd say, serving the Lord gets gooder and gooder all the time. And if you didn't know it, that's not grammatically correct. But it's doctrinally correct. It does get gooder and gooder to serve the Lord. The word gladness here in Psalm 100, it means joyful. It means pleasure of mind. It means to be cheerful. Esther chapter 8, when the uh, plot of Haman was overturned and the king gave a decree that the Jews could be protected from their enemies, the Bible says that the Jews had joy and gladness and they had a good day. I want to tell you, it's a good day when you know the Lord. It's a good day when you get to serve the King of kings and Lord of lords. Notice what it says, serve the Lord. You're not here today. I'm not here today to serve a person. You're not here to make a name for a church. You're not here to make a name for an organization. You're not here to make a name for uh, anybody or anything, but we are here to serve the Lord. Notice who he is. He is God. That's who he is. He is not only God, but it says in verse number five, he is good. And it says that he is everlasting. His truth endureth to all generations. I want to speak to you this morning on this subject of joy in serving Jesus. Lord, I pray that you'd speak to our hearts and challenge us. Help me as I deliver this message. I pray that you'd give us what we need in Jesus' name. Amen. Number one, I see in this passage that serving the Lord is personal. Would you notice with me in verse number two, Psalm 100, verse two, this is not a trick question, but what is the first word of verse two? Sir, now we just had back to school Sunday last week, and so I know you're, you think I'm putting you on overload here, but we're back in school now, right? And that means parents are back in school too, right? Helping with all the homework and all that. So this is not a trick question, but you do have to have some education to answer this. The word sir, I give you multiple choice. Is it a noun? Is it a verb? Is it an adjective? Is it an adverb? Is it a preposition? I could keep going, but I've already given you the right answer. What kind of word is the word serve? Wow, we have some smart church members here. It is a verb. It's not only a verb, but it is an action verb. There's something to do. There's something to act upon. Now, I learned in school... And by the way, I did learn some things in school. How many of you learned some things in school? You just forgot most of it, all right? Joanna asked me the other night, this was so, this was so classic. She asked me, our girls are doing this, uh, the homeschool. They do a Becca DVD and the videos, and they do a good job. They learn a lot. But Joanna asked me the other day, she said, Jeremy, she said, when you were in school, how many oceans did they tell you that there are in the world how many oceans? That's easy. I mean, you know, being, you know, smart, smart guy like I am, I said, well, 
four? You know, I was like, kind of, I kind of started questioning myself. I said, four, right? How many of you learned there were four oceans when you were in school? All right. How many of you don't remember how many oceans there are? You're waiting for me to tell you. Okay, all right, good. Hang on. I learned about the Atlantic Ocean, right? I learned about the Pacific Ocean, and I've seen both of those. But then I learned there's the Arctic Ocean, and there's the Indian Ocean. Well, Joanna said, well, no. She said, there's five. There's the Southern Ocean. And uh, I looked it up after we talked about it, and sure enough, everywhere you look, it says there's five oceans. How many of you knew, like, when you were in school, how many of you, they taught you there were five oceans? Anybody? A few of you? All right. How many of you are like me? You thought there were four. All right, good. Okay, so I feel better. Now, I'm not the only one. But when I was in school, I was learning this deep grammar. Not, not geography now. I was deep, learning this deep grammar. And they talked about the subject. And they talked about the verb. And boy, I'm telling you, it was deep. And then they said, and sometimes there's a subject that's not even in the sentence. I thought, oh, joy, this is good. Now we got to find these words that aren't even there. And they said if a, if a sentence begins with a verb, like verse number two, it says, serve the Lord with gladness. They said the subject is you, but it's not there. It's understood that, that when the Bible says, or when someone gives a command, you are the subject. So what we're saying is you serve the Lord with gladness. And can I tell you, you can't control what everybody else does. You can't control what the person next to you or the person in front of you or the person behind you does, but you can control who you serve and you can make the decision for who you're going to serve with your life. Joshua said it in Joshua 24. He said, hey, choose you this day whom you will serve. It's your choice. I like this. Joshua said, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. You see, serving the Lord with joy and with gladness, it's a personal decision. The Bible tells us in verse number uh, two, it says, serve the Lord with gladness, come before his presence with singing. How many of you in your job, how many of you see on a daily basis or somewhat often, how many of you, you see the CEO, you see the owner of your business often. And if you are a business owner, then you can raise your hand because you see him in the mirror, you know. Okay, all right. Some of you. You know what's amazing? Is God is the creator. He's the owner. He's the king. He's the master. And he enlists us in his service, but he doesn't keep us at a distance. He's not in an office somewhere where he cannot be bothered. He doesn't have so many people working that he doesn't have time for you. The Bible says come before his presence with singing. He wants to have a personal relationship with us. The Bible tells us that we get to serve God and we get to work with God. 1 Corinthians says we are laborers together, not for God, but we're laborers together with God. Wow, that ought to encourage you to serve God. You get to work with the CEO. You get to work with the king. You get to serve and work with the creator of the universe. Jesus gave the great commission in Matthew 28, and he said, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the world. Amen. I got news for you. 
the closer you work with God and the closer you get to Jesus, the more you're going to want to serve him and the more you're going to love him and the more you're going to want to do to please him serving the Lord. Number one, it is personal. Number two, serving the Lord should be our pleasure. Notice verse number two, serve the Lord with gladness. That word again means joy. It means pleasure of mind. It means to be cheerful. We are to serve the Lord not with murmuring, not with complaining, not with criticism, not with bitterness, not with depression, not with envy, not because I'm serving God because I have to. And if I don't serve the Lord, they're going to hound me at the church. Hang on. Time out. That's not how we serve the Lord. That's not how I serve the Lord. I don't serve the Lord because I have to. I serve the Lord because I get to. First Chronicles 16, the Bible says, Glory and honor are in His presence, and strength and gladness are in His place. I am glad I get to serve God. Here's some examples of serving the Lord with gladness. And this is not an exhaustive list. It's not a conclusive list. But just a few thoughts. You know, you can serve God with gladness just simply by smiling. And I promise you, it won't hurt you. Now, it might shock your coworkers if you go to work with a smile, but that'd be a good kind of shock. It might shock your next door neighbor if instead of uh, uh, grumbling about something, you say, hey, how you doing? Hope you have a good day. They're going to think, what happened to my neighbor? What did they do with them, you know? But you can smile. I'm not talking about being weird. I'm not talking about a forced, phony, fake smile. You know, you go to the restaurant and you look like an idiot. I'm not talking about being weird. But I'm talking about a genuine joy that is expressed in our face and on our face, a smile that we're glad we get to serve God. I'll tell you how we could serve God with gladness. We could talk about how good God's been. Instead of talking about all of our problems and all of the bad things and all the negative, we could say, hey, I want to tell you about a prayer God answered this week. I want to tell you about a blessing God gave me. I want to tell you what God's doing in my life. You could talk about heaven. That helps you to serve God with gladness. You could be faithful to church. Psalm 122, the Bible says, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. I want to tell you, a church is not a circus and church is not a ball game, but church ought to be the happiest place you go all week long. Because we have the privilege to come to the house of God. i tell you how you could serve the Lord with gladness. You could occasionally, in church, you could smile. You give a handshake. You could say amen. You could pat somebody on the back. Uh, you could uh, uh, give someone a breath if they need it. You know, you can do something but just be a blessing and be glad to be in the house of God. I'll tell you how to uh, show gladness is by being faithful. You know, it's amazing, the people at your job, the people at your job that are always calling in, the people that are always looking for an excuse and always looking for a reason not to show up, they're not very happy in their job. But I'll tell you, the people that are happy, they want to be there. I tell you, you could come to church, you could be faithful, you could show up early, you could stay late. You say, but what if I stay too late? Well, somebody will kick you out, but you could stay at least until then. 
You could encourage and share and sing and and whistle and hum and show the gladness in your heart so that this world can see that you love serving God. Serving God is not an obligation. It's an opportunity. Serving God is not a burden. It's a blessing. Serving God is not a duty. It is a delight. And that is how we are to serve God, verse 2, with gladness. I've had in my lifetime, I've had three pastors. My pastor, the first pastor I remember uh, was Pastor Swanson in Rockford, Illinois. And he was a happy man. He was not a real outgoing man. But when he got behind the pulpit, boy, he preached with power and he preached with passion. But he was a happy man. I can, I can picture so many times just seeing him, I can picture his smile. You know, he pastored the same church for 58 years. I'd say that's an indication right there that he served the Lord with gladness to stay in the same place that long. My pastor in, uh, after Pastor Swanson was my dad. He pastored the same church for 20 years. He served God in the ministry for 40 years, uh, 20 years as a Christian school teacher and 20 years as a pastor. And I'll tell you, uh, my dad, he was not in the ministry because he had to be. He was in the ministry because he wanted to be. I remember when we went to uh, First Baptist Church in Geneseo, and I remember my dad just saying, I can't believe that God would use me. I can't believe that God would use our family. I can't believe it. And can I tell you, I'm thankful I've had some pastors in my life that believed in serving God with gladness. I hope that I can be that pastor to you because I'll tell you this, I love serving God. I love getting to pastor. I love being in the ministry. My pastor in California, my wife and I were there for nine years. Pastor Trebers pastored the same church for 43, I think almost 44 years. But can I tell you, he's a happy man. My youth pastor in Illinois, Brother Mark Swanson, he'll be here next spring. He is one of the happiest people I've ever known. Can I tell you, that's the way we all ought to be. We ought to serve God with gladness. We must have a desire to have joy for the journey. Paul said that I might finish my course with joy. Deuteronomy 28 gives us a very stern reminder. It says in verse number 47, because thou servest not the Lord with joyfulness and with gladness of heart for the abundance of all things, therefore thou shalt serve thine enemies, which the Lord shall send against thee in hunger and in thirst, and in nakedness, and in want of all things, and he shall put a yoke of iron upon thy neck until he have destroyed thee. God said to his people, he said, listen, because you couldn't serve me with gladness, and you couldn't serve me with joy, God said, I'm going to let you serve your enemies, and you're going to find out how good you had at serving me. You had abundance when when you were serving me, but your enemies, they're going to starve you to death. They're going to take the clothes off your back. They're going to take everything you have. They're going to put a yoke of iron on your neck. Friend, I want to tell you, I'm glad I get to serve the Lord. There's nobody better to serve. There's no greater life. There's no greater calling than to serve the King of kings and Lord of lords. The Queen of Sheba went to visit Solomon. As she went to visit uh, Solomon, she made the statement. She said, you know, she said, the half was not even told of your kingdom and of the wealth and of the beauty and all that you have. The the queen of Sheba said the half was not even told. And then she said this, she said, your servants are happy. 
She couldn't understand that. Because usually a servant served out of obligation. A servant served out of being uh, forced or coerced. And the Queen of Sheba said, wait a minute, your servants, they love what they get to do. They get to serve you. They're happy about serving you. And that blew her mind to think that there could be such a thing as happy servants. I got news for you this morning. We're serving somebody better than Solomon. As a matter of fact, in the Gospel of Matthew 12, it says a greater than Solomon is here speaking of Jesus Christ. I want to tell you, Jesus is a lot wiser than Solomon. He's a lot richer than Solomon. He's more gracious and he's more loving than Solomon. And we get to serve him. And can I tell you, it is a pleasure that we get to serve God. Number three, serving God should be done with praise. Verse number four, it says, enter his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Serving God should be done with praise. There should be singing in your life. I feel bad for people that they, they don't have good music in their homes. They don't have good music in their car. And they don't have good music in their life because music affects you so much. By the way, you say, well, I don't listen to the bad stuff. Well, good. I'm glad you don't listen to the, 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 the world's music, but you're going to have to replace it with music that glorifies the Lord and music that blesses your soul. You see, around here, we do a lot of singing. We, uh, you think about how much singing we do on Sunday morning. There's the choir opener. There's the first song. There's the second song. There's the choir again. There's the third song. There's the offertories that are played. There's the, com the, the, the special that is sung. There's so much singing. There's music when you come in. There's music playing all the time. And that is not because we don't have anything else to do. Brother Dan and Brother Nathan, Caleb and I, we don't sit around and say, oh man, how are we going to fill an hour? Pastor already preaches too long, so we got to come up with something else, you know. We got to figure out something to fill that hour. Oh no. Friend, I want to tell you, music is powerful. And music is necessary. Music worships and praises the Lord. And music brings glory to His name. And music should be a part of our life. Serving should be done with praise. Number four, serving is our purpose. Notice verse number three. Know ye that the Lord, He is God. It is He that hath made us and not we ourselves. We are His people and the sheep of His pasture. Now, stay with me here for a minute. First of all, the Lord is God. And I could add, this isn't in the verse, the idea is in the verse. The Lord is God, and I am not God. And you could put your name in there, and you are not God. But sometimes we act like it, don't we? Sometimes everything we do in life is all about what I want, and this is what I think, and this is my idea. It doesn't matter what you think. It doesn't matter what I think. What matters is what does God want? Because we belong to him. It says we are his people. We are the sheep of his pasture. A shepherd in Bible times, and David knew about being a shepherd, he was one. A shepherd in Bible times, we're not talking about the idea of a pet. 
you may have your dog or your cat or you may have your fish or you may have your bird and that is just you love that animal and you do everything for that animal that, that we're not talking about pets we're talking about a shepherd who kept sheep and those sheep were for the good of the shepherd those sheep were for the 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 benefit of the owner those sheep that was a, a, a an income that was how they survived and so the sheep didn't get to say what they wanted it was what does the shepherd say where does the shepherd lead what is the shepherd's direction and friend I want to remind us this morning that our lives do not belong to us my life doesn't belong to me your life does not belong to you your time does not belong to you my time does not belong to me it belongs to God now he gives us the choice and he gives us the opportunity to choose how we use it but at the end of the day we're not owners we're stewards we are managers and we are managing the life and the time that has been given to us from our Creator my family belongs to God I love my wife and I love my girls but I say mine but they don't belong to me they belong to God your family does not belong to you they belong to God the house you live in is not your house you say I know it's the banks no I mean even further it's not even the banks it's God's your house doesn't belong to you. your car does not belong to you you do not have anything except what God has entrusted in your care so many people lack joy because they do not have a purpose first Peter chapter 5 and in the New Testament the Bible talks about this picture of the shepherd and the sheep and refers to the local church it's interesting how Jesus is the good shepherd he's the chief shepherd he gives his life for the sheep and he goes to seek and to save that one lost sheep that he can bring that sheep into the fold can I tell you God has given us a local church and the local church has a shepherd you know who the shepherd is number one it's Jesus Christ God has entrusted me as an under shepherd uh, to, to serve the flock of God and to feed the flock of God and I will answer to God for how I do that but I want to tell you the shepherd and the sheep it's our responsibility to serve and to please and to glorify our chief shepherd that's why we have so many opportunities to serve God I'm glad I get to be a part of a local church there are so many opportunities I think about the choir I don't know what we had up there this morning 40 or 50 choir members that's wonderful you say I think we're maxed out oh no I promise you this we will not ever put a limit on how many choir members we have we'll stick some on floating inner tubes in the baptistry if we have to but we're gonna find spot for you in the choir I will promise you that there's opportunity and you know what you get to do in the choir you get to sing and serve God you know what you do in the nursery you get to serve God you know what you get to do as an usher or as a greeter or Sunday school teacher or bus worker or junior church or master clubs or pastors pals or whatever you you get to serve God what a privilege you know what we get to do when we go out and knock on doors and pass out tracks and tell people about Jesus we get to serve God and it's a privilege it's our purpose that we have been given it's why we were created number five I'm done serving God not only is it personal 
not only is it our pleasure, not only is it done with praise, and not only is serving God our purpose, but number five, serving God is a privilege. Notice verse number five. We're serving the Lord, and the Lord is good. His mercy is everlasting, and His truth endureth to all generations. Now think about this as a master to a servant. You know what we can say about our master? He is so good. He's better than we deserve. Our master is not only good, but he's merciful. Aren't you glad for a merciful God? Aren't you glad for a merciful Savior? Aren't you glad that in spite of all our shortcomings, God does not give us what we deserve? Aren't you glad he picks us up and he says, I can use you again and I'll forgive you and I'll bless you and I'll help you and I'll strengthen you. I'm glad that he's merciful. And then it says his truth endureth to all generations. God is not going to sell you a bill of goods. He's not going to say, all right, I got them now. I'm going to make them work and I'm going to make them serve me. And then in the end, I'm going to say, Ha ha, I'm not doing anything for you. Are you kidding me? You honestly believe that the creator of the universe, you think he needs us? Oh, he doesn't need us, but can I tell you, he gives us the privilege and he gives us the opportunity to serve him. And he is a God of truth. His truth endureth to all generations. I want to be careful how I say this. I want you to, to, to listen and hear me out. I don't want to offend anybody. I may offend you on other things, but I don't want to offend you on this. If you work for dominion power, sure, that's a great job, but that's not the best. If you work at um, Westrock, right? That's no, not Capstone, Westrock. If you work at Westrock, wonderful. That's not the best job. If you work for the school district, as many of you do, we honored you last week. That's not the best job. If you work in the medical field, it's not the best job. If you work for the state, not the best job. You work for the county, it's not the best job. If you work for the city, it's not the best job. You know what the best job is? You know what the greatest job is in all the world? It's working for him. And it's serving him. You say, well, pastor, are you trying to say that we all have to go and work for a church? Oh, no, I didn't say working for a church. I said serving the Lord. And we can all do that. And if you're a saved, born-again child of God, that's what you've been called to do anyway. That's what I've been called to do is to serve the Lord. It's the greatest work in all the world. It's the greatest blessing in all the world. It's the greatest business in all the world to serve God. First Samuel reminds us to serve God in sincerity and in truth. And it says, and consider how great things he has done for you. I tell you, I've heard people say, well, the, the payment for serving God is not that great, but the retirement plan is out of this world. And that's funny, I think so. But I want to tell you this, I think serving God down here is worth it. I think serving God down here, I think that pays. I think that's rewarding. And that's not even talking about when we get to heaven and we stand before the judgment seat and we receive crowns and we receive rewards for our service. Serving God 
is a privilege. D.L. Moody, that great preacher in Chicago, Illinois, and did many evangelistic crusades in the United States and over in Europe. He had a music director whose name was Ira Sankey. D.L. Moody and Ira Sankey, they were over in London and they were holding an evangelistic crusade. And during this crusade, there was a, uh, tons of people that came into the city for, for this crusade and for these revivals. And there became a problem. The, the police had to get involved. And there were many gypsies that were coming from outside in the countryside and they were coming in and they were stealing and they were taking a lot of things and the police had to basically say listen they said no more we're not allowing them to come in for these things and it it broke the heart of D.L. Moody and Ira Sankey to think that here were people that needed the Lord that couldn't come and Ira Sankey said one day to D.L. Moody he said you know said if they can't come to us we got to go to them. And D.L. Moody said, that's a great idea. Let's go. And they did. They went out, drove out in the countryside to those gypsy communities and began to preach the gospel and sing and witness and share the good news with uh, those folks. And one young boy came up and Ira Sankey laid his hand on his head and he said, Lord, I pray that you would uh, save this boy and I pray that you would call him to be a preacher. They went on their way and continued their meetings, went back to Chicago. Many years later, an adult man approached Ira Sankey and he said, do you remember that trip? And do you remember going out there? And do you remember laying your hand on that little boy's head and praying for him to get saved and be a preacher? And Ira Sankey said, actually, I do remember that. And that man looked at Ira Sankey and said, well, guess what? That was me that you prayed for and he introduced himself, and his name was Gypsy Smith. He had become a powerful preacher, a powerful evangelist, and God used him mightily in the United States and used him in Europe as well. And it was amazing to think that God would use that boy, and God saved him. Gypsy Smith began to preach, and it's an amazing, you need to look it up. It's an amazing story about how God used that young man and how he preached for so many years. He made seven trips back and forth from Europe to the United States and holding meetings and preaching crusades. And it was amazing how many people came to Christ. At one of his last meetings, he had come back over to the United States and a man approached him after the service and said, Gypsy, he said, I was at the first meeting you held in the United States and it had been many, many years. He said, you've made all these trips, and he said, you've preached so many places, and he said, I've noticed something about you. He said, the way you preached at the beginning, he said, you still have the same passion. You still have the same joy. You still have the same fervency. And he said, Mr. Mr. Smith, Mr. Gypsy Smith, what is the secret, and, and how do you do it? And Gypsy Smith responded to that man and said, sir, I've never lost the wonder of it all you know what was gypsy smith's secret he just never got over getting saved he got born again and he had the joy of the lord and he just never got over it he just thought every day you ought to serve god with gladness and every day you ought to preach with joy and every day you ought to tell people about jesus and gypsy smith demonstrated how you and i can have joy for the journey how we can serve God and not because we have to but because we get to you see the truth is I don't have to serve God and neither do you 
we get to. I don't have to read my Bible. I get to read my Bible. I don't have to pray. I get to pray. I don't have to come to church. I get to come to church. And, and I understand the Bible says that we are supposed to do those things. But here's what I'm saying is, if you're doing it because you have to, eventually you'll probably stop. Eventually there's going to be some times where I don't feel like it and I can't handle it. But when you get the joy, you don't do it because you have to. You do it because you get to. I don't have to give my tithes and my offerings. I get to. You know, it's amazing. The Bible says the Lord loveth a cheerful giver. That's a joyful giver. That's someone that gives not because they have to, but because they get to. Serving God is a privilege. Psalm 100, verse 2. Serve the Lord with gladness. The Bible tells us that salvation is a gift. It's free. There's nothing that you can do to earn salvation. There's nothing that you or I can do to pay for salvation. The Bible says in Ephesians chapter 2 verses 8 and 9, for by grace are ye saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. You cannot get to heaven by being a good person. You cannot get to heaven by being a church member. You cannot get to heaven by being baptized. All of these would classify as good works. Now, it's good to be a good person. It's great to be a church member. It's wonderful to be baptized. But those do not get a person to heaven. If you could get to heaven by being a good person, then why would Jesus have to die on the cross? Jesus said in John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. I would encourage you today to accept the gift of eternal life. I would challenge you to put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ for salvation. For more information about this important subject, please give us a call at 252-537-5973 or write us a letter addressed to 2360 Bowling Road in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina. We'd like to thank you for tuning in to the Voice of Victory radio broadcast. We hope that these messages are a help to you in your spiritual life. We are located at 2360 Bowling Road in Roanoke Rapids. Our Sunday school classes begin at 10 a.m. Sunday morning service is at 11 a.m. Sunday evening service is at 6 p.m. Or Wednesday evening prayer meeting and Bible study begins at 7 p.m. If you have any questions, please contact us at 252-537-5973. You can also visit us online at vbcrr.org. Please tune in again next week at this same time. And on behalf of everyone at Victory Baptist Church, God bless you. And thanks for tuning in to this edition of the Voice of Victory radio broadcast.